Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. What impact would learning about your family history have on the way you live your life today? Understanding our family history goes beyond dates and places of our ancestors. It is digging into the historic context, events, and motivations that shaped their lives. My guest has extensive experience in researching and writing family histories in a unique way that helps families learn how their lives have been shaped by their past. Janet Uran is a professional writer in Ottawa, Canada. She has written many books, family histories, biographies, feature articles, as well as writing for exhibitions. Janet began her career as assistant editor at the Canadian Geographic magazine, as well as working on several other publications. She is now an independent writer and consultant. Her passion for history, people, and community comes across beautifully in her writing, but it also extends to other fields. In 2007, Janet founded the Linden House Theatre Company, a successful community theatre company in Ottawa. She not only runs Linden House, but also acts in its wonderful productions. Thank you very much, Janet, for joining me. It's nice to be here, Ginga. So when people talk about learning about their family history, often they are referring to only the family tree and the key places and dates in their family tree. But what you do goes beyond the genealogy. So can you describe the kind of research and writing that you do to create family histories? Well, genealogy really means tracing the line of descent by definition. And it's something that takes great skill in researching. And it has enormous value because it, it gives historical writer, such as myself, the building blocks for creating the story. Genealogists find birth records, marriage, death, census, directory references, and the end product for them is a kind of a table of individuals that shows relationships. Well, I'm not a genealogist. What interests me is the history. And that means defining what happened to the people within that table of genealogy. Where did they come from? Providing a context for them. Why did they move? Uh, In Canada, we're largely dealing with people who arrived here from somewhere else. So why did they come here? What were the circumstances that drove them to the often momentous decision to move to a new country? Mm -hmm. For example, someone who was a shoemaker in the, the lowlands of Scotland in 1815, why would he bring his family to Montreal in that year in particular? And so you discover that there was a broad economic collapse after the Napoleonic Wars, after peace returned, and there was no work for artisans. So many, many Scots uh, in that period were coming and they were urban people or village people. So they were looking for urban communities in Canada. Mm. So that's the broader history that interests me. As I said, Canada, the context of Canada is for me, especially fascinating. It's complex. Except for our Indigenous peoples, everyone came from somewhere else, and they all have different stories. I mean, what a country. The way that plays out, I I can tell you one story. 
uh, showing how really different stories interweave. Uh, a man came to sell me a furnace. He asked me what I did. When I told him that I wrote family histories, among other things, he said to me, you know, as a sort of a challenge, what do you think my background is? Hmm. So I guessed Italian, perhaps. But no, he said his father was from Yugoslavia and his mother was a Japanese Canadian and they met in Northern Ontario. And I said, how, how did that happen? <laughs> and he told me a story of war and uh, of, of oppression, loss, separation, how his father was separated permanently from his family. Hmm. And his mother had been in an internment camp in, in the West. Hmm. And so on both sides, there was a highly dramatic story that came together in this individual. That's Canada. It is. And you really connect, uh, as you said, I mean, he knows his parents and the reasons why they, they made the decisions they did. But when you're researching family histories, by connecting it to the context and the history of the, of the place, you're actually uncovering their motivations, their intentions more. What I've learned about myself in, in terms of, of writing these kind of stories, I've been a writer for for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And I've written a lot of things, speeches, newsletters, annual reports, yeah. exhibitions. But what I've learned through this kind of writing is that I am by instinct and interest and even passion, a storyteller. Mm -hmm. And a, a family history is really a series of stories and they can be really interesting and compelling. And I find that they, <clears throat> they often outdo fiction. So my job as a writer is to capture the excitement of lives. Sometimes when detail is, is lacking, we don't often have letters or diaries from ancestors, not, not distant ancestors, even if we can identify them. So we have to look at the context to yeah. find the excitement. So you really research the genealogy, the, the history, and the, the historical context of the places where... But it's, it's very intriguing process very for me. I find it very satisfying. It begins always with what does the family who's come to me for help in writing their story, what do they know about their ancestors? And quite often they know quite a lot right. where they came from, the grandparents. But, you know, it's not very far before the ancestors disappear over the horizon. Mm -hmm. Maybe the grandparents they know about maybe a little bit about the grandparents, but then after that, it's all in shadow. Mm, um, so then I, I will take what they know and I will go online to find out what genealogical resources there are, uh, things like ancestry.ca, although you have to be very careful with that site to, so that you're not capturing and repeating and disseminating the errors of other researchers, but rather using uh, the resources that other researchers have given you. Interesting. And then, then I use the internet as well to find background. I look for books and maps. You can learn a lot from looking at maps about how people moved or how they, how they were related to other families and uh, how they may, people may have come into contact. How does a Welsh dairyman meet a Scottish weaver, you know, and, mm. and marry them? How, yeah. how did that happen? And it's often like a detective story. It's very exciting, definitely. I mean, obviously very interesting for you and for the people who are uncovering their, their past, but what are some of the reasons that people come to you to research and write the family history in addition to the fact that it's just really fascinating? Um, well, uh, every, people have different reasons. I have to tell you, uh, when I wrote a book about my own family, which I intend to rewrite okay. uh, in the 
you because I've discovered so much more in the interim. I was really inspired by my mother's loss of memory. And uh, she had a pile of, of diaries and documents that she kept on her table beside her chair. And uh, she would look at them sort of musingly and from time to time. And, and uh, it was hard to know what she remembered and she seemed mm. confused. So I took those documents and I spun them into a story and it eventually became a book. I used to read it to her when I visited and uh, she That's would amazing. lean against me and say, she wasn't really remembering her own story anymore, but she would say, Janet, this is a very interesting story. <laughs> Maybe, uh, oh, that's nice. But not everyone, to my amazement, is interested in history. But I do find that at a certain age, many people want to look back and see their lives in perspective, including their ancestry. They also become interested at a certain age in creating a legacy for their children mm. and for their grandchildren. They may not know personally or their great-grandchildren. They want to themselves and their lives to the future generations. It certainly resonates with me. They, they want to perhaps seize a certain level of immortality within the family and make a record of what they've achieved and done and suffered. That's why I think most people who are interested in genealogy are of a certain age, middle age or older, mm. although that's not always true. I was, um, I was in my my teenage years when I met my grandparents for the first time oh, really? and I just seized on them. I wanted to know everything that they knew and could tell me. I wanted them to tell me what pictures, who, who were, who was portrayed in family pictures and albums. But uh, many people don't have a general historical interest. And I think that's a shame because what a family history is, is a fragment of a story that fits into the larger picture. Mm -hmm. And uh, for, for example, in Ontario, Canada, many people came here in the 1840s from Ireland as a result of, of a dreadful famine in which millions of people died and right. certainly millions suffered and were displaced. That's history. That's the broad historical story. But everybody with a name like O'Connor or Doyle in this city or region has their particular piece of that story. And I find that very dramatic. And so um, what are some stories that you have uncovered that you think had an impact on the person and family that you were writing for? I mean, it definitely is fascinating, but has it had some kind of impact? Does something stand out? Well, uh, I recently did a family history for a client in Toronto. Right from the beginning, she identified the story of her grandmother as a mystery and wondered if I could discover what had happened to the grandmother who had left the family as a young woman and disappeared, leaving her children in foster care. Hmm. And no one ever found out what happened to her. I didn't find out what happened to her specifically, but I did discover the background of the family. Uh, and it was a story of alcoholism, essentially. Uh, the breadwinner was an alcoholic and he was out of work. There was also an element of family fraud. The great-grandfather, who was a prosperous businessman, left his alcoholic son's uh, legacy in trust to another son so that, quote, his son William would never be in want, William, his wife, and his children. And in fact, the brother who was the trustee never dispersed those funds. Oh. And that's how the family was splintered, fell apart, 
the mother of my client ended up in foster care at age seven. Mm. And that had a terrible, terrible impact on her. And I think it had an impact on my client in the next generation, a, a level of anxiety, a, a tendency to try very hard to always be perfect because you know one can always only speculate about the psychology of abandonment, but it certainly is real. So there was a kind of a resolution for that family, a better understanding. And I know from the comments of the family to whom the book was distributed, that they were fascinated and enlightened about that. So they really uncovered some of what led to their own life that maybe they weren't actually that aware of at all in whatever the circumstances, which is very interesting. Did that help their own healing? I I can't really comment because a project finishes and one moves on, but uh, Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Very interesting. And so what about for you? I mean, in all the stories that you've written, have you ever made a discovery that was very interesting to you? Was something that surprised you? Well, yes. The very first family history that I undertook was a story set in Louisiana. It was surprising to me. My client was a Canadian, but his mother had been born in Louisiana on a plantation And uh, this is when I began to discover how fascinating this line of work could be. Right. Uh, He wanted to create a simple pamphlet for his daughter and his son for Christmas. But when I um, looked at the documents, I said, this family is a prosperous landowning family in Louisiana. I think we can go further than what you have here. Mm -hmm. And so I went off to Louisiana, visited the plantation, which is still in family hands, and uh, discovered multiple connections between that family, not just in the generation of my client, but uh, going back into the uh, 18th century, multiple connections with Canada. Okay. And uh, they were through, uh, through the Acadians, who obviously were expelled from Canada in 1755 by the British government, and Britain and France were at war at that time, and ended up after a long journey through prisoner of war camp in Britain to refugee settlements in France, back to the Caribbean as settlers, and then finally to Louisiana. And then the ancestor of my my client and friend, uh, she married a a French aristocrat who owned a plantation. And so the connection was made. And then several generations later, this very prosperous family came to Canada every year to avoid the yellow fever in the hot season. And a young woman married a Canadian in Toronto, and hence my client was born in Toronto. But I mean, how fascinating is that? And there were other connections as well, because some of their fur trading ancestors from Montreal settled and traded along the upper Mississippi in the oh. 18th century. And that was another line. So hmm. I guess I also was surprised by and challenged by the complexity of creating a, a readable story. Yes. When every family is so complicated, it's like a ball of twine. Exactly. And what you can find and what also exists. And, and the way you write it is actually you find themes to, to, to structure your, the book. You don't necessarily right. just put in the facts. You really weave it into history. Every book has its own theme. Every family has their own theme. A book I did about a family that originated with loyalists. I discovered that their their story went further back into Germany and they had been refugees, uh, Protestant refugees during a period of of French Catholic invasion in the the Rhineland. Hmm. And they had come to 
Pennsylvania as refugees, German refugees, and then became loyalists because they were Quakers, loyal to the principle of pacifism. So they'd been thrown out of the United States and came up as United Empire loyalists. Anyway, so the theme generation after generation was loyalty. Another uh, family history was called Onward because every generation for seven generations, each head of family was born in one place and died in another. It was a story of constant movement. So as you you can see, the theme varies, but there always is something that pulls it together and gives you an organizational principle. It takes a while to discover it. And it takes you a while to discover it. And is it quite surprising sometimes to the people that you're writing about what the theme ends up being? Well, I suppose it can be surprising sometimes, but they often are the participants in in uncovering and, and elucidating that theme. A recent client, a client I'm working with now, I asked him what he thought the title might be and explained to him I was seeking a, a theme to unite the, the product, the book. And he said, thought for a minute, and he said, what comes to mind is service. And uh, his ancestry in all of its lines, practically, is very military, naval, army, but also strongly philanthropic. Mm. So service is the theme that is uniting that book. I mean, obviously, there's a lot that you learn about not only people's families, but also about history that you dig in further into uh, different parts of the world. But overall, from, from the people that you've worked with, what do you think people can really learn from this type of work about digging in past their grandparents' generation, which is mostly what we often know about? What do you think some of the themes can come out of why this is important and beneficial to people's lives? Well, it's important at a certain point in your life to achieve perspective on your own journey. And I think perspective on the journey of your ancestors is also extremely valuable. That's my conviction. Whereas lamentably, many people have either not come to that realization yet, or, or simply don't have a sense of their place in the unfolding of, of the larger story, but also the family story and the personal story. I, I think it's important to be able to look back over experience and draw conclusions and to come to an understanding. I think by the end of our lives, my view is our goal ought to be an enhanced understanding of ourselves, our situation, our society, and our world. The process of family history writing is one of the contributors to that understanding. Mm, Absolutely. I mean, throughout an individual's life, you try to learn about your mistakes and what you've done well, what you haven't done so well, and to move forward and Hopefully, if you're a reflective individual, you really try to constantly connect the dots looking backwards into your life. But actually, something that is often missed is that a lot of your own influences, even when you're not aware of it, can come from your ancestors. And understanding that better would be even more helpful. I think it's a way to understand Canada as well. Many families that I have worked with are prosperous, well-educated, busy, professional people, yet they came from the poorest of the poor. The Irish famine immigrants are an example, but Scottish uh, Highlanders who who were displaced in the 18th century, uh, refugees of all kinds, and they came here with courage, certainly, but also with a level of desperation, prepared to work very hard and to deal with 
circumstances that were often brutal, forested land, insects, heat, cold, hardship, lack of capital to develop, but their descendants have prospered here. Trying to understand why and how they prospered, it's really a celebration of this country, I think. In the 1970s, I was involved with a group that sponsored a family of boat people from Vietnam. It was exceptionally difficult for that family to come to this country, which is so different culturally Mm -hmm. and so different in terms of its language. Very difficult for them. And I remember the woman, the mother of this family saying, yes, it is hard, but it is for the children. Our country has given children a chance. And I think you see it in microcosm and it's impressive. Really wonderful uncoverings that you make and you speak about it so beautifully. I mean, it connects your own family, helps you understand yourself, but also a much better understanding of the country, as you said, and making it much more personal and other parts of the world as well. In this work, what has surprised you in how people react to reading their family history? I'm always pleased at the excitement and the interest that so many of them have felt and the, the praise <laughs> that they lavish on the process and, and on me personally. But in negative terms, what, what has surprised me on a number of occasions is a certain desire to whitewash. As a person who is dedicated to history, what interests me is what is true. And every one of us as human beings can look at ourselves, our families, our friends, our our neighbors, and we know that human beings try as hard as we will are not perfect. And that we have failures as well as successes, flaws as well as virtues. I mean, this this is just true. And that was true for our ancestors as it is true for us. But occasionally there is an issue in a family and I have run headfirst into the desire to cover it up. Hmm. Uh, alcoholism springs to mind, a- an illness, and it has had an effect. Uh, the story I cited earlier, but that's not the only one. So that's, that surprises me and it disappoints me because I think it deprives us of the ability to understand the richness of the story and the complexity of our ancestors. Yeah. And also some of their virtues, their gallantry in spite of the difficulties that they have faced within themselves or in their, or in their family. Uh, one example uh, is a family who were determined, uh, my client was in her 90s, and she was determined to disguise the fact that her father had been an alcoholic and had not really supported his family. It was easy to not mention it, and that's my job, to write a book that satisfies my clients. What it did was it made it impossible to recognize the courage and the gallantry of the wife who dealt with this. Also, it disappointed the children of my client because they said, we have always been a rather secretive family and we really feel that there are things that we should be talking about, especially when they relate a health issue such as alcoholism. That disappointed me and and surprised me because of my dedication to finding out what happened and what is true. That's interesting because as you said, everyone has challenges and, and different obstacles in life, but actually recognizing how you overcome it and how you deal with it, as you said in that situation, the mother who really did so much to deal with the situation, 
then that is also erased and that isn't recognized as well. And also you don't really learn from your past to understand a little bit better how you can avoid and mitigate those kind of problems. Well, the result is also a less readable story because it reads, it can read. The danger is that it will read like a Christmas letter full Mm. of achievements and successes and very glossy, but not terribly real. Right. Less interesting than it might have been. Absolutely. That is that is very true. And it's an interesting thing because you would think that people want to put it all into a book for them and their family. Um, but but yeah, I guess that is a human nature in some ways. So how do you go about learning about people's family history? What is your process? Well, um, you start with memories and you talk to the older members of the family to create a lively story as much as possible, you should cast it in the voices of real people mm. rather than indirect speech. Also, the older members of the family have the, the longest vision over that horizon I was talking about. You have to be careful with uh, this form of oral history because memory can be faulty. So you, you, will be, you will be checking it and trying to verify it, get, you know, et cetera. But that's where you start. You also start with family documents. Some have a lot, some have very little. And that would be newspaper articles, birth certificates, death certificates, letters, diaries. This woman that I talked about who grew up in foster care wrote a diary uh, while she was a, a teenager. And uh, it's, a, it's an extremely valuable document because uh, it's, it's rare that a child in care in the 1920s would leave this kind of record. Anyway, then then you go online and you have to be very careful with uh, genealogical sites, which are many, because inaccuracy is rife. And uh, that will become apparent when uh, on Ancestry.ca, which is a kind of a Wikipedia of genealogy, I remember fairly frequently noticing that the on a family tree, the date of birth of the child was after the death of the father or... Uh, or before the birth of the father, or things like that. So you have to use your critical faculty very, very actively. But then you you can identify other sites. Ancestry.ca is extremely well known, and there are others around. But there's um, Scotland's People, which is a very rich resource. Emerald Ancestors for Ireland. There's UK Online, which has census and, and birth and death records and so on for British sources. And then there's also private research websites where families have created a website to focus input from relatives around the the continent, around the world. And there are also um, things like passenger lists. You can go to Library and Archives Canada from 1865 on, they saved passenger lists, but there are hit and miss passenger lists from Pacific voyages and ships even earlier, such as famously the Mayflower, or indeed many of the early ships arriving in New England. You can actually see those records and read the names of of the ancestors on that, which is always very exciting. It's really a search for primary documents because they are the horse's mouth, and you can trust them in a sense, whereas you can't always trust other researchers. The internet is full of the research of other people. So without moving from your living room or your office, 
you can benefit and talk to other scholars or, or family researchers and, and discover your relatives, distant relatives in Australia and, and South Africa and New Zealand and so on, and share the knowledge that they have. There's online digitization sites which have taken whole books and documents and have, have scanned them and put them online. Archive.org is, is one that is very dependable. And read old books, which might be a history of a district or a town or a family history. In the 19th century, a lot of Americans who were very interested in their heritage published, privately published family histories. You're lucky you'll find one that gives accurate and dependable information on the line you're researching. You have to be patient. You have to be careful. You have to trust your original documents. Although you also have to know when, when primary documents can be wrong. Census, for example, of Canada, they seem often to have estimated age rather okay. than give it for sure. Reasonable range of ages is possible. You have to be aware of that. So there's lots of resources that people can go to and, and certainly a lot of fun that people can have with exploring a lot of the sites that you mentioned and how they can start exploring their own family more, which is really fun and interesting for sure. And as you said, one of the main things is recording people's memories, grandparents, great-grandparents, and actually finding out their own memories and having a way of recording that before it's too late. I think one of the important things, Kinga, is uh, in terms of mindset, when you're writing a family history, keep in mind that this is for future researchers. The internet will continue to grow. People will continue to add research. Mm -hmm. uh, but you want to leave a map for those future researchers, where, where you were, what you found, and where you still need to carry on the, the exploration. Yeah. Absolutely. And in doing this, what have you, I mean, you've learned so much about other people's family and histories of other nations and our own nation, but what have you learned about yourself and also about the profession? Well, I've learned the degree to which I am driven by curiosity about other people. And I think that's something that I've discovered in, in theater as well. When I'm acting, the compelling interest of being an actor is curiosity about the other what makes them tick? What is their motivation for action? Who are they? And you do the research in that space as well, because you're a wonderful actress and you produce wonderful plays through your theater company, Linden House. So you started having that interest of digging into individuals through preparing for the plays. Yes, yes. Okay. And, and I think uh, another thing that I discovered that is very meaningful to me is the degree to which my life has been a wandering. I am always amazed by people who set out on a career as, as young people mm -hmm. with a roadmap. Right. Uh, I did not do that. Um, I can understand my path by looking backwards at it. Mm -hmm. I cannot understand it by, I could not understand it by looking forward. I didn't set out to be a writer. And yet a writer is what either a writer or an actor were the things that I was, that's what I was meant to be. I, I can see that by looking back. I became a, an editor because I was qualified by my education and an opportunity presented itself, which I took. Gradually, as an independent consultant, I've been writing for a long time, but not always history. Annual reports, brochures, newsletters, etc. Et everything, speeches. But 
as I gradually began to get work in exhibition writing and in, in interpretive writing and in historical booklets and, and so on, and magazine articles with historical themes, I began to realize that I was fascinated by history to become more and more passionate about it. So now I feel I'm doing the work that I was meant to do, that I have a passion. I would rather work than go to a party. <laughs> and I love parties. Exactly. <laughs> my life is a joy. My that's work amazing. Is a joy. And that, that's such a privilege. That is huge. I mean, that is the greatest success in any career is to reach a point where you are doing exactly what you love to be doing. That is really, really special. And did you always know that setting out at the beginning of your career, did you know that you didn't want a strict journey that you were open to the opportunities and discovering, learning about yourself? No, I was frightened to death because I didn't know what I was going to do. And I tried various things. And, you know, if I, if anybody, if any young person asked me for advice, which they don't tend to do, I would say, don't be afraid, just go out and explore because eventually your choices will explain you to yourself. You, you will begin to understand what you like what you have a passion for and what you're good at. Gradually, you will, you will find your joy, but it doesn't come right away. You have, no. to, you have to take some chances and you have to be willing to fail. Yes. Uh, I, I started my career in uh, overseas development and I, I just, it wasn't a good fit at all. And I felt very frightened about that. And so I, that's when I went back to study English so, because I liked it. After that, I followed what I liked, and I created a career as a result. That's, that's fantastic. That's my journey. I don't know whether it has any applicability to other people or not. Well, I mean, that, I think that's a very important, important takeaways for, for people, because often people try to have this very strict journey into where, where they're going and what they're going to do in 5, 10, 15 years. But even if you do have that, inevitably things change and you have to have the flexibility. So it's a really, really important advice. In doing this, did you even know about the career of writing family histories? Like, oh, is no. that something you even, before we met, that is not something that I ever knew about other than people writing biographies, obviously. And is this a field that's new and growing to be writing such personal family histories? Well, genealogy is a, a growing industry passion. People are engaging with that more and more. And, and Ancestry.ca's success comes from that. But no, I did not uh, write family history until the mid-90s. Again, it was a, a form of uh, an opportunity, which I took advantage of and enjoyed. As I told you, a friend whose mother came from Louisiana asked me to put together a pamphlet. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was writing all kind. I was writing brochures for festival events. I wrote a brochure about... Uh, Portland Cement. I wrote speeches. I was making a good living as a writer, but I can't say that Portland Cement is, is an entirely uh, fascinating topic. <laughs> yes. It has professional interest. In <laughs> right. you, you, know, you, you do the best you can right. to present the interests of your client. However, yeah. once uh, I had discovered the fun of being a historical detective, I was open to opportunities as they rose. And uh, again, someone came to me uh, and asked me if I would write the story of their family. So I did mm -hmm. that and I learned more from that. 
And then another person came and peep, word of mouth is, is very powerful. I've written probably a dozen full-scale books now on families and their history. And it's all been word of mouth. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. It's very interesting that your process and how you create an entire story that goes far beyond genealogy. And what is challenging in that? I mean, it sounds very complex, but is there an aspect that you find most challenging about bringing together and researching? Oh, absolutely. It's the complexity. How do you make a story readable and comprehensible when it is, the material resembles nothing so much as a ball of string, a tangled Finding that theme, I guess. Is- yeah, the theme, uh, but also how do, you, how do you display the information? I'm not a graphic artist, but I have certain basic skills, and I love working with graphic artists because they help to uh, il- illustrate those relationships graphically. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've worked out some strategies over, over time and over 12 projects, but it stays fresh because... Every story demands a different organization. And do you have any tips for writers that are maybe interested in this type of writing? Yeah, be careful. Be patient. You cannot necessarily trust the information you get. You have to double check and triple check. Those are the tips that should guide you. Uh, well, this is very interesting. We could actually talk for ages and listen to your, the stories that you've uncovered. And I know that you've told me about them in the past and they're absolutely fascinating and you tell it so beautifully and you write about it so beautifully. But before we end, I always like to ask for a recommendation, something to read or watch on this topic. Well, a, a good starting point for Canadian researchers is to have a look at a very useful publication called Tracing Your Ancestors in Canada, which is by Library and Archives Canada. And uh, it's a good starting point and a training document to open the door to the collections that we have here, the major national collections. However, for fun and inspiration, I think people should have a a look at a book, which I particularly like, called The Cowkeeper's Wish. And it it embodies very much my my philosophy of of providing context for a family history. It's a story about a family that originated in a very poor family in Wales, went through to London and eventually came on to London, Ontario. And it's written by two descendants of the family. And it's Mm. fun, interesting, reads like a novel and it is inspiring. And I think it shows, it embodies the excitement of family storytelling. Uh, I'll just read a a section from a review of that because it it encapsulates what we've been talking about. So, quote, of course, in genealogical research, it's necessary to do a thorough and accurate job with names, dates and places. After all, if you make a mistake, you'll unwittingly research a stranger's ancestors, not your own. Yet, does it really matter if your third great grandfather was a Willie or a Sam? Such detail only counts when we can learn his achievements and disappointments, his loves and losses, how he lived his life. Hmm. And that's so much my credo. That is really, really nice. Well, thank you so much, Janet. I mean, this is a fascinating topic and thank you so much for sharing your work and you act so beautifully in Linden House and creating Linden House. You write so beautifully as well. It's just a pleasure to listen to your reflections and your stories. My pleasure entirely. Thank you very much, Janet.